This is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County welcoming you to the March 2021 edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, our monthly interview show the second Monday of each month on WPKN 89.5 FM, bringing you news and information about the arts and culture across coastal Fairfield County. This month, what's new with public art in our cities and towns? So this program is partly a celebration of a new funding instrument to help place and fund public art in Bridgeport, the Bridgeport Public Art Fund that was recently announced as a donor-advised fund set up with Fairfield County's Community Foundation, both to provide funding, but also provide professional advice and guidance to create new public art in Bridgeport. Now, arts funding is, of course, welcome in any form, but this, both in terms of its funding, but also its structure and the way it looks to intersect with the economic and urban planning of Bridgeport is, of course, a very good sign. So today we're welcoming Phil Kuchma, a well-known developer, most notably of the Bijou Theatre and Bijou Square in downtown Bridgeport, but also of many other areas of the city, and one of the instigators of the fund. Welcome, Phil. Welcome, Phil. Thank you very much, David. Well, I thought that we would take this piece of good news, both good news for public art and for Bridgeport, and use it as an opportunity to catch up with public art developments in some of the other towns in our coastal Fairfield County region. So I'd like to welcome, in alphabetical order of last names, from Norwalk, Mark Allen, Chair of the Norwalk Arts Commission. Welcome, Mark. Thank you, David. I appreciate the time to be here. From Westport, the town curator, Kathy Benowitz. Welcome, Kathy. Great. Thank you, David. Delighted to be on board today. From Stamford, Lynn Colatrella, Senior Vice President of Events and Marketing at Stamford Downtown and a member of the Stamford Arts Commission. Uh, good morning and welcome, Lynn. Good morning, and David, thank you for all you do for the art community in Fairfield County. Thank you. And uh, Tatiana Mori, Executive Director of the Greenwich Arts Council. Welcome, Tatiana. Thank you, David. Thank you for having me today. So first, I want to start with the Bridgeport um, Public Art Fund and the good news from Bridgeport. Um, Phil, can you outline what the, this new public art fund is and how it came about? Sure, David. Um, it's it's really public art is is a vital part in many 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 cities across the country uh, in the in the improvements to the to a city and to its image and also for its citizens as well as attracting visitors. And here in Bridgeport, we um, have had quite a few things through the years that have uh, been attempts to. Tried to galvanize some of the um, some of the terrific art and and uh, production of of all types of art and culture throughout the city into 
possibly densifying some areas so that there could be some great attractions here. The the Bridgeport Art Trail, which is run by Suzanne Kachmar and has now been in place for uh, just over 10 years, is a great example of a, a great attraction. And However, it's dispersed around the city, and on the few days of the art trail, it attracts quite a few people, but they're, um, they're, they're not in largely concentrated groups. And one of the opportunities that uh, came about actually almost a couple of years ago now that uh, actually David worked uh, started working out in our heads when we were at one of the Cultural Alliance's uh, work group days oh, that yes. we were talking oh, the, about. Uh, for the Shaping Community, yes. Shaping Communities, right. And it, so it's really, um, it's really been um, uh, something that is percolating because we have this one-mile stretch in downtown Bridgeport of Broad Street, which has since the frankly since the late 1980s when we uh, a private on a building that we developed privately um, we had an artist paint nine murals and uh, that that was uh, Breck Morgan back in about 1988 and oh. there are some things that are uh, critical parts of of the properties along the streets that bring a variety of types of art in place. And then uh, since that time, frankly, I've had uh, quite a few conversations working together with Suzanne Kachmar talking about how this might be the best opportunity. So the conversations um, led to me meeting with the city a couple of times, the city of Bridgeport, to see what kind of support there would be, and they started including it, including this one-mile stretch that actually runs from the painted steps, which have become the most photographed um, single uh, item in the city of Bridgeport over and the past so, year and a half or so. So that's uh, right. That's right by the City Lights Gallery and the downtown gray So that's quite a landmark in itself. Absolutely. And, you know, th those steps connect two streets on one city block. Uh, the, the two streets change in elevation by 36 feet. And we own the buildings on either side of the steps, but the city owns the steps. And it was a great starting point uh, because of the city lights being there as well as the the um, straight view that people could get down Broad Street right down to Seaside Park. So the the opportunity to uh, be able to turn this into something that could become more or less a project that would lead to other similar type projects throughout the city came about when uh, Suzanne actually set up a meeting with, um, with the Fairfield County Community Fund, and we, uh, we, they offered to do what David has already mentioned, which is to handle the contributions that would be put in place. And now we are underway with uh, having raised some money. Um, my wife, Mary Beth, and I were the, were the founding donors to the uh, project, but to the Bridgeport Public Art Fund, but now there have been other donors as well, and uh, recently we participated for the first time in, in uh, 
Giving Day with the Fairfield County Community Fund, so foundation, I should say. But the um, the project now has been um, identifying locations for other art to be uh, to be con- constructed or added to these areas, and the the great um, the the great. Um, follow-up that we will have by doing this is that there will not only be local people that will be attracted to it and some local artists that will participate in it, but it will be very, very professionally and um, and uh, very with varied types of art being displayed, it will become something that will attract people from outside the area because it's concentrated and gives people a, a leisurely way to stroll around and, and see some of the art. So that street then is the, is the centerpiece. That's the, that's the main um, uh, location for, um, for, the, for this initial project, yes. And um, apart from the money, Phil, how, um, what, are, what, what are some of the structures that will be put in place to help uh, guide policy, to uh, make various decisions. Um, is the city involved in, in any way in, in some of the policy sides involved in, 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 in this? Well, what's interesting, David, is that um, a number of the properties along this one-mile stretch of Broad Street are actually city properties, such as the Margaret Morton Center, which is um, one of the one of the administrative office buildings for the city, as well as a library that's right on the corner of Broad and State, as well as um, the backside of Baldwin Plaza, which is in back of the courthouse that faces Main Street, but the but Baldwin. Plaza it faces Broad Street, so the city. Some of the um, some of the art that will be installed will be installed on some of the city properties. We have not approached the city at this moment uh, for funding yet. But what we what we want to do is have this first project, which is going to be formally announced within a couple of weeks. Uh, but this first project, um, which will be uh, at the Reed's Art Space building, which is a a former five-story department store, which was converted to Artists Live Workspace uh, almost 15 years ago. And uh, I I can't, um, right at this moment, I can't go into detail about it since it hasn't been fully announced, but that building and many other buildings along the street have been identified where there are either areas of blank wall space on the facade or other um, land portions of the land that might be able to be used for a piece of art as well as privately owned properties and what what some of the outcome of this conversation has been um, has has really has really been kind of fantastic in the sense that um, most of you have probably heard that a that the former uh, baseball stadium here which faces on broad street is currently being converted to an amphitheater and the the amphitheater uh is is going to be a a huge attraction but recently um kind of a surprise event happened there which was that a person approached the amphitheater who had in fact salvaged from 
the New Haven Arena when that was demolished, a piece of art that had been mounted to the side of the New Haven Arena, and it it New Haven Coliseum actually, and it it is the more or less a silhouette named the Guitar Man, and it's a backlit. Uh, piece of art that is now hanging on the wall on Broad Street of the amphitheater. As well as that, um, I, I received, I was contacted by a national organization that um, promotes um, women that are uh, important women, women in the suffrage activity that has happened in our country through the years. Uh-huh. And the reason they approached me was one of the buildings on Broad Street uh, that is uh, currently an office building uh, at one time was where the this Bridgeport resident, whose name was Elsie Vervain, had been, she was the president of the Ladies Machinist Union, and their headquarters was in that building. So they want to put a freestanding memorial plaque just honoring her activity toward the suffrage movement. And so those types of, of things. Yeah, building. Um, I'm sorry. So there's quite a lot of m- momentum building already. Um, there is. So it's interesting, though, that um, this is really a private what you would call a private initiative. And uh, I guess you're hoping that the city will uh, come along and uh, buy into this um, very ambitious project. Well, we are, but we're also hoping, quite honestly, that it that it's not going to fall real heavily on on any reliance strictly on city money. You know, we, we know that there is a, a great um, result that can come of this just due to generous donors, some that some that own property along the street, but but right. many others that just want to see this kind of an attraction further develop. Right. Well, thank you, Phil, very much. It's a very exciting um, project, and we'll come back to some of the details later. Uh, now, I'm very interested in hearing how public art is organized in in the other towns, but let's first see if we have some kind of good working definition or understanding of what public arts actually is. Um, first, I'd like to start with Kathy, Kathy Benowitz, as I suspect you might have the broadest definition of what public art is. Um, also, I suspect you may be the only person in our region with the title of town curator. I wondered if you could tell us um, what that covers and perhaps by way of telling us how you came to be given this title, something about your professional activity that that led to this. Yes, well, great. Well, thank you. Yes, so Westport um, is really, has an unusual and historical role in um, in the arts, and it really goes back uh, to the, you know, the early 1900s. Um, And um, what's interesting about Westport is that we have a public, what we call our Westport Public Art Collection, which is over um, 1,500 works of art that are um, on display throughout our school and town buildings. Um, and, but we also have an outdoor, more public art uh, sculpture as well. And that's something that we plan um, on expanding. Um, and we recently just installed a, a work um, called Rock, Paper, Scissors outside of the library on Jessup Green, a very inventive, creative um, literally rock, paper, scissors installation uh, um, that really 
echoes the, the library and its new transformation. Um, that is on public land. Um, and what I, uh, so the, the role of town curator, I was given that about 10 years ago by the first selectman. I work uh, under the, or report to the arts advisory um, committee. I'm a member of that committee, which advises the first selectman on matters of art. We do not have a commission because we're a, a, a town, we're not a city. So our group really helps to create alliances with all the other art organizations in the community. Um, so we, some of our most prominent um, public art uh, sculpture, which I think really do play a role as a beacon in our town, um, are commemorative sculptures, um, but they have been uh, integrated with more contemporary works. Um, one really interesting um, little historical fact is that um, our Minuteman, which is a symbol of our town down by the beach, was unveiled in 1910. It was actually one of the two sculptures um, that was created and paid for by the state as part of the State Commission of Sculpture. In the past, that committee um, had only been concerned with the, um, the beautification and ornamentation of the Capitol. And with the Minuteman and the Defenders Monument, um, the State Commission on Sculpture expanded to pu publicly funded sculpture on municipal land. And so that was the beginning of the larger state initiative um, and its public art office, really. Um, so I think people um, aren't really aware of that, but I think it's something that needs to be celebrated um, and it takes us into the 21st century. Um, other, so other, we, are there other um, pieces of state commissioned public art in Westport? That is, um, that's the only state commissioned piece. Uh -huh. um, there was another commemorative monument um, called the Doughboy that the governor did unveil in 1930 that was a World War I commemorative by a Westport artist, painter, illustrator named Jay Clinton Shepard. Um, it's now um, on Veterans Green. Um, and then in the 1990s, we started uh, uh, really installing um, more contemporary art. We have uh, a, a beautiful sculpture by William King, um, a kind of a silhouetted aluminum piece from um, the early 2000s that is at Earth Place. And we had to install it there because that's private land. Um, our biggest challenge really is coming up with a public art policy that allows for um, sculpture to be put on public property. I think that's the biggest um, hurdle we have before us, is yeah. trying to work with our town, with our P&Z, um, with all the different you know, municipal entities that you have to go through for putting structures on property. Because um, right now, sculpture is the equivalent of, a, of some sort of building or outbuilding. And art isn't yet seen I mean, it's appreciated for sure, but the, the way the regulations are written, um, it isn't, um, it, 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 we have to go through the same thing that a builder might have to go through, or a homeowner. Um, and that has been a little laborious. So we're hoping, and Stanford has actually been very helpful. Uh, Norwalk has a public art policy we've looked at, and we're now on our way to kind of develop something that'll allow us to identify um, pieces of uh, prop public property where we can, and then find sculptures uh, and other um, art installations to go on those, whether they're temporary or longer term. Right. So um, it's the public, it's the um, Arts Advisory Committee that is uh, principally in charge 
or is the coordinator of the public art initiatives? It's a, so the um, Arts Advisory Committee um, is uh, kind of taking the leadership role and working with this with the town. And then our committee, our Westport Public Art Committee, is a larger um, group of, of members that are appointed by our first selectmen that help to support those initiatives. And then my role as town curator is between those two. So I work with um, Nancy Diamond, who's the co-chair, I mean, who's now the chair of Arts Advisory very closely. We've kind of shepherded um, the Rock, Paper, Scissors uh, project through, um, through everything last summer. Um, and then it, we had it unveiled in, in, in November. I handle all the technical parts, um, working with the, uh, you know, with the art handlers, the installers, you know, the insurance, you know, all the back end things that, that nobody knows right. happened. You know, I mean, there's a lot of back, back right. room work um, that has to take place when you're, when you're, um, you know, handling the art conservators for, you know, cleaning and the care um, and all of that. Uh, so we work as a, as a combined uh, collaborative unit between arts advisory, myself and the, um, and the Westport public art collection. Um, that is the agent for the art for the artwork and right. So I guess the the, the most unusual or the unique um, element of Westport is that it's ha that it has this uh, very broad collection of two dimensional um, work that you distribute mm -hmm. and show uh, and use in the schools. It's an active teaching instrument as well as what we think of often as public art as the sculpture in the street. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a combination of, of both of those that uh, you're clearly using um, pretty much. Um, so um, let's see, who else? Um, uh, how do you think of public art and perhaps what's the best example in your town um, of, of public art? Anyone? So Tatiana? You need to unmute, sorry. Uh, in the town of Greenwich, uh, we have a sculpture trail uh, that was basically established out of um, a big sculpture uh, contest that happened in 1976. I don't know if everyone is aware of that. Um, but a commission was created between the Greenwich Arts Council and the town of Greenwich to acquire from private and public funding uh, sculptures to be placed throughout the town of Greenwich in curated spaces. So many people that come to visit the town of Greenwich, uh, it happens to us, they come to the council and say, oh yeah, I saw a sculpture, so-and-so plays and another one, so-and-so plays. But the truth is, is what Kathy said, it was it was a well-curated trail um, and it's been going on for years. And there was a commission that was in place to care for the sculptures, for the cleanup and the maintenance of, of the sculptures. But somehow a few years back, uh, we the group somehow didn't kind of disintegrate because a lot of people sort of moved out of town. And so we are basically, when it comes to public art, we're facing um, that issue on how to continue on to maintain the sculptures. Because we have a combination of contemporary modern works and you know monuments, World War II monuments, and um, we have an obelisk. So just to name a few. So that's actually been a little bit of a challenge right now. And we were in discussions prior to the pandemic on how to create a commission perhaps, or some sort of advisory panel to be able to care for the sculptures. Um, we are 
lucky that our location, the Greenwich Arts Council is located on Greenwich Avenue. So we have the capability to play sculpture every three, four months. So those are basically curated by the council with the support of the town of Greenwich. So they take care of liability insurances directly. So they're very, very generous in supporting public art, the town of Greenwich. But one of the issues we run, as I said, is mostly the maintenance of the works because 33 works, they tend to, we had an assessment being done on the sculptures two years ago and they found a lot of you know, issues that had to be addressed. But of course the pandemic came and sort of postponed that. But we do know that it's almost you have to raise funding also for the care of the sculptures in the future. Right. So, um, so it's still, a, so it's a working relationship between the Arts Council and the- And the, uh, and the town of Greenwich. Greenwich. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, in terms of, uh, new work, um, how is how is that determined? Um, so for the moment, uh, the sculptures were gifted to the town of Greenwich. We do get requests from people to donate. Um, they want to donate pieces. And so there's an assessment mainly done by the town of Greenwich. And uh, like I said, there was an advisory panel a few years ago. We have not been taking any new uh, sculptures into the uh, um permanent collection of the sculptures of the town of Greenwich, but we do assess it on a temporary loan basis. So we tend to put new sculptures um, on the properties of the town of Greenwich, but do switch them around every three, four months. Sometimes the loan agreements could be up to a year. Right. So it keeps us switching, um, but we're not, like I said, it's, it's hard to determine new pieces until we have in place the care for them um, because we can't just keep Bringing it, 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 as Kathy said, it, it takes a lot of planning in terms of bringing the sculpture, placing the sculpture, and caring for the sculpture in the future. So, um, so let me turn actually to Lynn next. It's interesting because Lynn, you both sit on the newly reformed um, Stanford Art Commission, but you also work for Stanford Downtown, which is uh, actually. Could you explain? <laughs> Uh, what downtown, Stanford downtown is and its relationship to the to the city. Sure, uh, Stanford downtown special services district is the business improvement district for the city of Stanford. So many years ago, for us, it's about twenty seven now. Uh, property owners got together in a in a boundaried area that they created and agreed to pay a sales tax to a district in return for what is known as clean, green, and safe, meaning uh, cleaning the streets, planting some flowers, hiring a security team that would walk around and make people feel comfortable. So over the years, uh, Stanford downtown grew into a bustling um, neighborhood, and we are the city center for the city of Stanford. Right. One of the one of the main programs that we do, and I know you wanted to speak about this, is creating a sense of place through uh, public art. So every summer, Stanford Downtown curates a public art exhibit for the city of Stanford in the downtown, and that ranges from my first year here it was a Batero's sculpture and other high-end sculptures to, in the year 2000, the fiberglass craze began with the Cal Parade. And that's what right. got us into 
fiberglass sculptures that engaged 30, 40 local regional artists in the in a um, painting and decorating of these artworks. So that's one hat. The other hat as chair of the Arts and Culture Commission, which is now about three years old. It's been in many iterations over the years since Stanford. Um, we did an inventory of all of our artwork in the city. We've also created a collection and loan policies and procedures. And like we've already heard, uh, restoration is a huge issue for us as well because the funding is not there. Um, but we were able to uh, secure and restore um, our Darity murals. And one of them is now hanging at the Tully Center in Stanford. Um, oh, yeah. So we're excited that. about really that. Really very impressive. Yes. Yeah. And we also, um, there was a boxer sculpture that stood uh, in, on a tiny little island and run over and it was put in storage. So um, near at the time, wanted to restore it. Got restored and it became a square. It's now called Boxer Square uh, in Stanford. So, sculpture always creates a sense of place. Any monumental sculpture anywhere in the country or the world sitting on a piece of land becomes a place of creating a sense of place. We've had great success over the years in the downtown and um, some more successful than others, some gaining international publicity like the uh, facing the church uh, accident, I should say, but created quite a, store, a stir for the city. Um, so um, one of the great things, I think, especially about the summer program is that really it, it, it attracts um, uh, visitors. It's a real tourism drawer, um, especially as you've built it over the years? Uh, it has been. It's, uh, yeah, we, we hope that people come and visit. We do some um, digital uh, visit apps where people come and they can listen to the artist talk about the piece and then they can go to the next piece. We, um, we've done scavenger hunts. We've done lots of events around the sculptures so people can enjoy them. And it's also been a good pandemic event. Really? Sure, because it's still social distance and people can wear masks and they're able to come out and see the project. Right, that's great. Okay, um, and let's turn to um, Mark in uh, Nor in Norwalk. Um, you've uh, your commission has done a lot of work with public art um, mm -hmm. over the years. So, what's your? Do you have a working definition of what public art is and some good examples? Sure, I'd be happy to. Sure. So, in, in Norwalk, one of the things we did is we looked at the the differences between public art on publicly owned property funded by the city, et cetera, versus public art on privately owned property. And we're seeing a lot of instances of both. And we really try to shape our art policy to create an environment where there would be, you know, 
a revitalization of public art. We're, we have a mayor, a Mayor Rilling in Norwalk, who is a strong supporter and advocate for public art, which we're really happy about. We really appreciate his help. And he, as the Arts Commission, he's uh, empowered us, providing us with staffing, which we never had before. We're working with Jessica Casey, the Economic Development Office, and we're working with closely with the uh, Tourism Office because the city of Norwalk is, is seeing, you know, public art finally as a draw for cultural tourism. And one of the things that the, uh, uh, we're seeing is increased funding for, for public art projects in Norwalk from the city. Uh, the latest project we have going is uh, something called This is Dream Street. It's a, um, one of the things that we, we've seen, there was a national study which showed that um, a lot of Martin Luther King boulevards throughout the United States are in um, neighborhoods where there is a high rate of urban blight. So we wanted to address that in Norwalk. And we, through launching this project, it, this is going to be a public art installation in a, a number of different sites throughout the Martin Luther King corridor, which coincides uh, with various neighborhoods in South Norwalk. So that's being curated by Julio Pardo. And we are doing, there's gonna be three or four different installations in various sites throughout that area. That's gonna be happening this spring. Uh, the Arts Commission is also doing a, a neighborhood cleanup in South Norwalk um, called the Art Up Cleanup. We're doing that April 18th. That's gonna be leading up to this, this is Dream Street installation. We're really excited about this. That's great, Mark, thank you very much. If you're just joining us, this is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County with our March edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, a monthly interview show on WPKN 89.5 FM. Today, our topic is what's new with public art in our citizen towns, a celebration of the new Bridgeport Public Art Fund and what is happening with public art in other towns and cities of our region. With me are Phil Kuchma of the Kuchma Corporation, one of the founders of the Bridgeport Public Art Fund, Mark Allen, Chair of the Norwalk Arts Commission, Kathy Benowitz, Town Curator of Westport, Lynn Collatrella, Senior Vice President of Events and Marketing at Stamford Downtown and a member of the Stamford Arts Commission, and Tatiana Mori, Executive Director of the Greenwich Arts Council. So one of the goals of the Bridgeport Public Art Fund is to, as they put it, catalyze community engagement and connect with the community's history and culture so that uh, public art is not a static object, um, <laughs> but, but more um, uh, an example of um, uh, art that can connect and catalyze and, and begin um, uh, some dynamic in, in, in the urban fabric. Um, I'd like to start again with Phil, may, maybe first asking if there are already examples in Bridgeport Phil, of public art that does do this already um, and how this project um, will go about this catalyzing community engagement and connecting with the community's history and culture. Sure, David. Uh, every, every city obviously has some, has history and has the, the um, presence throughout that history of, of many people who have contributed along the way to some very important things that have happened in, in, the, cult, in the cultural and artistic world. And many times, though, um, those things are not 
brought to people's attention as as well as they might possibly be. And that's why sometimes the fact that some of these things that can help to accomplish that are are very effective when they're put in areas that already have some type of reason for people to go, whether it's to a city administrative building or a library or, or frankly, a retail building or courthouse or any of those things. So just as was being described about the great opportunities there are in places like Martin Luther King boulevards throughout the country, um, some, sometimes these areas can can really uh, help to, to um, give a sense of pride to the to the people in in that city uh, when it when the attention is brought to some of the good things that can happen and the you know along broad street there's there's so much history you know bridgeport uh, most people don't realize this it's the largest city in the state population wise but it's a very small city and we actually have geographically a very small downtown however uh, bridgeport is also relatively new municipality compared to most of the municipalities in Connecticut because it's only a couple of hundred years uh, since it's been established. So therefore, the, the, um, the important part is connecting to the, to the current um, people that are that are uh, part of the city's makeup as well as the past. And what we're hoping to do, one of the people on our advisory committee runs, um, works for the, the city public education um, efforts to bring art into the schools and, and for children. And we're, we're expecting to have some revolving art that's also on display in different areas throughout the this mile walk that will that will give opportunities because it's revolving art, give opportunities to many, frankly, generations of, of people to be able to have participated in a small way, uh, but, but in a very important way as, as having art on display in those areas. And obviously the other permanent art and things that are, that are going to be the, the pieces that are, that do uh, what's already been described as create a place um, will will be the anchors that keep the rest of this always attracting people. But the I think the key is that we are in a very very different age. Uh, we've ex- we've all experienced enormous changes during the past year due to the the. Um, the, the COVID situation that has made us think in many different ways. And we, we have to also be very considerate of the fact that, um, as was mentioned before, getting people to be outside more often and getting people to be able to have reasons to um, to gather, but but to gather in, in areas that they can have conversation and things have to be part of this as well. So you can't just create a, a place where people are kind of forced to keep moving or forced to, to, um, to be able to traverse across the entire um, length of a, of a public display like this. And you have to have little seating areas and you have to have reasons that people will maybe actually even do some commerce to, you know, may have something to eat or, or beverages or buy something in a retail space or see some of the great other 
opportunities that they can witness art. You already mentioned, David, the City Lights Gallery is is adjacent to this public walk, and we have another gallery downtown that's just a block off of Broad Street, and we have library that has within it the, the same type, type of attractions, and people will tend to um, have more of these available um, types of of art and culture um, uh, more visible to them and and more uh, actually more accessible to them as well right so it's very interesting it's quite clear from this discussion that public art is an instrument or a tool of urban development of um, economic development within the town undoubtedly within the cities um, I was very interested um, mark both mark your uh, just talking about the uh, Martin Luther King Boulevard and um, hearing from Lynn about the, um, the way that the summertime um, public art projects really draw, draw people in. Um, are there plans, Mark, for um, anything around the development of the um, Martin Luther King Boulevard? I mean, that seems to be almost the equivalent of Bridgeport's Broad Street project in which you're um, trying to, in which you're using public art to um, encourage people to come to that area to make it more attractive? For sure. Um, we're really excited about that project and uh, we've been looking forward to getting it off the ground for some time. So we're glad to see it moving forward. But in the private sector, we're also seeing a lot of public art projects. Uh, there's been a sort of a, a renaissance of art happening in Norwalk. I would say over the last few years. One of the things we're really excited about to see develop is uh, the Isaac Square Art Park. This is a this is something that formed during uh, the pandemic. Um, it's located on Isaac Street in the area behind the Wall Street Theater, for instance. It's a parking lot. It was a parking lot. And it was uh, where approximately 50 different art pieces have been erected that were privately commissioned. And uh, they include freestanding murals by a variety of local artists. So essentially, this functions as a drive-through art gallery. So that came about during COVID and has become a popular cultural destination. So working with the Wall Street Neighborhood Association, that's one of the things I do, is using public art and, and as a draw to bring people to our area. And we're, this part of Norwalk is a historic part of Norwalk. We're called a historic district for a reason because we were the original city center uh, before it moved to South Norwalk. And so there's a lot of history in this part of Norwalk. So anything we can do to draw people to this part of town is, is good uh, for the businesses here. And lastly, I um, before we run out of time, David, I want to tell you about the Norwalk Art Space. Yes. This is a brand new art center that's being opened on West Avenue. Um, for, for, it's privately funded through uh, a Westport attorney, Alexandra Davern Corey, who, she was a prominent civil rights artist, I'm sorry, attorney. She was really interested in seeing this art center open. She sadly passed away before it could be uh, realized, but her family is continuing this in her honor. It will probably become a nonprofit at some point, um, but it exists in what was the Persian art rug dealer on West Avenue in the old uh, uh, church there. And this is going to be an art center where they're going to provide free art studios for artists in exchange for free art lesson for Norwalk students. 
So that's the type of thing we have developing here. We're really excited to see all of this public art all working together, creating a really good atmosphere. For yes, I know. I'm very excited about that as uh, it's right next to Matthews Park, which is where the Cultural Alliance has its office. So they that's are correct. a great new member of that cultural, cultural campus. Um, so uh, Tatiana, can you um, tell us a little bit about any um, uh, concept of using public art as a way of attracting people to particular areas or any events? Um, how, uh, how is sculpture seen as a, a kind of a dynamic presence? In, so, in uh, so the sculpture um, for us, the trail is very, has been established for many years. So what we try to do in partnership with the town of Greenwich is to create three events, um, art related um, every year. So one of them is the kite festival. We start usually in early spring and, you know, sort of we encourage people to create their own kites or to do to their own um, works of art. And there's a display on it on Todd's Point Beach and all the community comes together, but it's, it's, it's off season. So anyone really can come in and enjoy the park. So it brings people into the town. Uh, the restaurants love it because you have new people coming in to dine and, and shop. And so it's very much thought out. The second one is Art to the Avenue, where we basically, bec uh, Greenwich Avenue becomes into a strolling gallery. So we, we select about 110 artists and then stores participate and then the store select their artists and they become basically their art galleries for the month of May. Um, we usually do an opening night festivity every year, but because of the pandemic, we can't do that, but we're still going to hold the event this year because it does bring more people to the town of Greenwich. And again, the Chamber of Commerce loves it and the town encourages it because it brings um, traffic to the town and the restaurants obviously very happy with that and the shops and the dining and all of that. And it's a great example of the public-private um, relationship that we're, we seem to be seeing um, in all the towns. Yes. Yeah, that, that yeah. public art is a great opportunity for um, public and, and private um, ambitions to, mm -hmm. and concerns to come together. Yeah, especially because a lot of the private, um, they do have very well legal uh, departments established. So it's very helpful when you're trying to put an event <laughs> With so right. many ins and outs when you just have to make a phone call and they advise. So we do tend to do that. And the next one, it's in the summer. So any any activity you do with your town, it always tends to succeed even better because you have the support, that you have the property, you have the lands to use to make concerts. And so hopefully that's what we will do this year. We're planning a lot of outdoor events mostly because of what's happening. But again, uh, we couldn't do it without the support of the town of Greenwich. Right. Kathy. Kathy. Yes, um, I just wanted to touch on a couple of things that people have uh, have have mentioned. Um, I do think sculpture, public sculpture, public art is a beacon to a town. Um, we are really looking at where we can be in a very public place, uh, whether it's sculpture. Um, like at Jessup Green is let's meet at rock, paper, scissors as it becomes a gathering point mm. or at a, at a marker um, as you enter into towns. Um, you know, we really are, are trying to prioritize that. 
Um, in terms of tourism, we also, um, and, and tourism and also working in this virtual world, um, we have also used a, a cell phone app called AutoCast, which I think Greenwich is also represented on, Norwalk as well. Um, and we've used the art in our public art collection to, be, to tell the cultural story of Westport. So we've used the imagery to help be the, the um, fulcrum for, um, for visitation, for learning about our town, our town's history from the past to the present. Um, it's, and we've integrated the artworks also with contemporary art and photographs. Um, so that you know, new residents to town, people that are visiting, can can utilize this. It's location based, and um, it's really rich. Um, and it's been a, a really wonderful way to help get the word out. Um, the the other thing that we've been doing, and we're expanding it beyond the schools into our public uh, spaces, is we um, with some funding we received from the Drew Friedman Community Fund, we've been creating what we call learning galleries um, in our uh, dedicated spaces that have focused installations of artwork. Um, they can be two-dimensional, they can be three-dimensional, um, and they they have a theme whether it's uh, pop art or cartooning or WPA or um, por portraits, uh, you know, all, all of these different um, elements. And we um, we just created one uh, that deals with, with uh, more serious social uh, issues. Um, and we've looked at Tracy Sugarman's um, drawings that he did during the Freedom Summer of 1964. And he too was a civil rights uh, activist who used his art um, to, to to bring the lens of, 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 you know, the discrimination that was happening um, in the South and across the country. So we're trying to bring that forward to a conversation we can have today and using the art. And we have an installation on View and Town Hall right now. Um, and uh, it's available kind of by appointment until things open up a little bit more. Um, but we're also working uh, in collaboration with the library on this project, and we're doing a, uh, a, a discussion uh, on it with a, um, a woman from the Mississippi Museum of Art, um, Dr. Riddell Hearn, on August 6th. So we've, we've expanded it out um, to have a programmatic piece um, and conversations in addition to having, you know, physical installations. So it's, it's kind of bringing that approach that you might have in a, a museum environment yeah. um, where you have the different components to this public art realm. Um, and, um, you know, and it's been really success. It's, it's successful. And we're, we're hoping to uh, expand that more. We've just started a uh, initiative to add um, uh, you know, Black Latinx uh, to the collection. Um, and we hope to, um, you know, create installations that, uh, that reflect, you know, issues that affect our larger community, not just Westport. Right. And I'd love to work with all of you all uh, on some things that cross these borders because we don't want to be siloed. We really want to be porous and work with everybody. Just two things. Uh, Kathy, could you tell us where some of these learning galleries are in Westport? Um, well, one of them that's open to the public is that town hall. So, and the others are in the schools. But what we have done, because the schools are off, uh, you know, are, are secured, we have created online versions of them. Um, and you can find those uh, at our website, westportarts.org. And they're all on the landing page. Um, so you can go there and, uh, and see them and experience uh, these online uh, mini exhibitions. That's great. 
Um, and I did want to just spell out Autocast. It's O-T-E-O-C-A-S-T. Um, really wonderful app that I think almost everybody is now uh, using. Um, let's see. Um, Linda, do you have something to add? Um, I just think it's important to start to write and support legislation for funding of the arts. So as I've been researching successful communities, Denver, San Francisco, places like that, there's a program called 1% to Art, yes. which is, um, is through development of new buildings and large capital improvements to new buildings. So I know in the city of Stanford and our Arts and Cultural Commission, we are going to start to try to put forward legislation in the city of Stanford Excellent. to get Excellent. that <laughs> to happen. So. Very good. Thank you. Um, Mark, we've got just a minute left. Um, final comment from Mark. Yeah, I think um, to, to responding to what Kathy said and to what Lynn said, I, I think that city legislation is good. But I think that what Kathy said is that we should all work together. And I, I agree with her 100%. I think that the more cities and towns throughout Connecticut, the more we work together to promote public art collectively, the more authority we're going and the more of a voice we're going to have in the state legislature, uh, which is where the money really needs to flow for public art. Um, I think that you know, there are a lot of good reasons to support public art and what it does in our cities and towns. But uh, let's be honest, it, it's a strong economic driver. And yeah. I've been promoting for a while that uh, there should be a statewide study for understanding the economic impact of public art. Uh, I think when we truly understand it in dollars and cents, you know, we understand that it puts bodies in restaurants and brings people uh, into stores. But when you really understand it on a statewide level in dollars and cents, and then you understand why supporting public art at the state level is so important for us. And, uh, and then we want the money to come down to us in the cities and towns, but it's got to start at the state level. So that's what I believe. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I'm afraid we're out of time. Um, but I hope that this um, uh, conversation that might stimulate some of that working together across towns. I know that uh, some of the organization uh, of public art in the towns is quite different, but I think it would be very productive if we did get together and uh, discuss uh, ways in which we could do that. So thank you all very much for your time today. Uh, this is David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County. You've been listening to our March edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture, a monthly interview show on WPKN 89.5 FM. Today, our topic has been what's new with public art in our citizen towns, a celebration of the new Bridgeport Public Art Fund, and what is happening with public art in other towns and cities in our region. With me were Phil Kuchmer of the Kuchmer Corporation, one of the founders of the Bridgeport Public Art Fund, Mark Allen, chair of the Norwalk Arts Commission, Kathy Benowitz, town curator of Westport, Lynn Colatrella, senior vice president of events and marketing at Stamford Downtown and a member of the Stamford Arts Commission, and Tatiana Mori, executive director of the Greenwich Arts Council. If you missed part of the broadcast, 
or just want to hear it again, you can hear the show on WPKN Podcasts on SoundCloud. I'm David Green with the Cultural Alliance of Fairfield County. Please tune in Monday, April the 12th for the next edition of Spotlight on Arts and Culture.